On a beautiful Monday afternoon, how we doing? Carton and Roberts, Craig is down a, on sunny vacation for a couple of days, checking out the family, making sure everybody's all right. Today, I don't know if you'll understand this reference, the mega powers come together. <laughs> Me and Keith McPherson for four and a half hours. How are you, sir? I like that you said mega powers, because if we wanted to just talk sports, straight sports, from right now to the end... It'd probably be the best show we've had in a while on this station. Are you wow? Sports. Look at this guy. <laughs> are you Hogan or are you Savage, by the way? Oh, I heard your reference. I guess I'm Hogan, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, the macho <laughs> man. Now, you are the type of Yankee fan, tell me if I'm wrong here, who watched Anthony Volpe get a couple of hits, who watched Jason Dominguez hit a home run, who watched Clark Schmidt pitch brilliantly for a few innings, including unveiling that cutter. You are now fully convinced they're going to win the World Series, correct? <laughs> Am, nah. I, am I wrong here? Uh, I'm all in on winning a World Series. I've been for the uh, little bit of a drought the Yankees are in, but not from spring training. Uh, watching them in spring training is encouraging, but it's spring training. I'd like to remind people it's it's spring training. You don't even know who some of these guys are on the field by the end of the game. You don't know who the guys pitching are. It's good. It's encouraging, but they're practicing. And uh, I think now in 2023, we just have so much coverage. I remember being young, and you couldn't see as many spring training games. You couldn't see all the videos from the reporters and every at-bat and all that stuff. So I'm trying not to buy too much into it. I think the Yankees are stacked again. I think they have a good team again and a good chance to make a run at it. But we ultimately all know what's standing in their way from getting back to a World Series. The evil bastards from Houston is basically what's standing in their way. It was very good for two days, and I'm not sure how much people watched because it is spring training. I acknowledge that. The games don't count. What are you really looking for? I just loved being able to turn that TV on over the last couple of days and see baseball. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I've heard a lot of hubbubaloo about this pitch clock. And I want to make something very clear, Keith. For many, many years, I feel like an old man saying this, for many, many years, every once in a while there'd be a conversation on this station mm-hmm. where we would talk about baseball and baseball is dying and baseball needs this and baseball needs that. And what I'd always say for like a decade was that I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. It got me into sports. I love going to games. Baseball is my true number one. While I love the NFL and I love the NBA, it all started with my baseball. It's the first love. But the one thing I have felt for a decade and a half is that we've lost baseball. We lost it. Guys are too busy scratching their you-know-whats or stepping out of the batter's box or fixing their batting gloves, or pitchers have taken 54 seconds in between pitches, hello, Aroldis Chapman, hello, J. Riz Familia, that we needed a clock. So what I witnessed over the last 48 hours actually made me teary-eyed. Because for a long time, bro, I'm telling you, this is something I wanted so passionately because it's so needed. And as I was watching baseball for the last two days, Keith, I'll tell you something. I was never happier. <laughs> because this is what it's supposed to be. And I'm an open-minded guy. I, I don't like to say you're stupid or I don't understand your opinion. I try not to do that. I'm a friendly guy. But I want to be as kind as I can when I say this. If you call up this show today ripping the pitch clock, I wonder about you. I really do. I wonder what the hell you're thinking. I don't see the other side. I think the pitch clock is one of the great inventions in the history of baseball. What say you? Yeah, there's no going back now. What say, I mean, I'm watching this Mets game right now, back-to-back singles. Um, Second one was by Tim LaCastro, former Yankee. So I'm listening to you, but I'm also watching the game. (laughs) And I was watching the games this weekend, and similar to you, I'm like, 
yo, I can't keep my eyes off of it. You can't take a break. You can't miss a pitch. The pitch clock is something that I, I said, okay, I'm not excited about it, but I'll give it a chance. And for so long, we've said there's no clock in baseball, right? That was like a thing for fans to say, like, no clock in baseball sets the game apart. We needed this clock because it gives it a sense of urgency that the other sports have, whether it's um, the play clock, the shot clock, the power play. It just gives you this sense of urgency. Like, come on now. And I feel like these guys have gotten used to baseball being more like, all right, we take our time when I'm ready. And even the mind game of like, all right, I'm going to step in the box. I'm going to call time. I'm going to step out of the box, fix my gloves. Now it puts a sense of urgency on the pitcher, on the player, and I can't wait to see what it does to the fans in the ballpark. Well, I think the fans are going to pay attention. (laughs) That's what it's going to do. Like, you can't get distracted on your phone as easy. You can't go up, go to the bathroom, and only miss five pitches. Like, if Watch you, the game. Yes. <laughs> and it makes it easier to watch the game. And what boggles my mind is that many years ago, and I don't remember the exact year, I apologize, Major League Baseball wrote a rule that said, hey, you have to get in the batter's box. Hey, you have to throw a pitch. And believe it or not, I think the rule was 12 seconds. Except the umpires never enforced it. Not one time. You have been to hundreds of baseball games like I have. I never remember watching a baseball game and seeing an umpire actually enforce the rule. I think it was rule like 8-5. Not even kidding you. It was on the books. You have to throw the baseball within 12 seconds. But the umpires, we'll just blame Angel Hernandez because he's the worst umpire ever, decided never to enforce it. What this clock does and why I love it so much is they're enforcing a rule that's existed. Yeah. Except because there was no clock and because the umpires, for whatever reason, I don't know the reason why they didn't enforce it. They never did. So all we're seeing over the last few days, and I implore people, anybody who hates this, watch a freaking baseball game. Because the thing I'm noticing from the few people I've seen that hate this, they haven't watched a baseball game. I don't even think they watched <laughs> yesterday's game. And I get it. It's spring training. I'm not forcing anyone to watch spring training. But watch a full baseball game and then actually tell me and tell Keith, Oh, yeah, that sucks. That's awful. It's too quick. I, I, I can't concentrate. People hate everything, though. It's just part of it, right? I, I think we said earlier, uh, you know, talking before the show, I want to hear from the people like you and I that go to the actual games, that come home and still watch late games. Like the actual fans. I don't want people helicoptering to say, oh, this is ruining baseball. This is t- What are you talking about? This is good, right? You mentioned the umpires. Come on, Blue. You stay locked in, too. Right? Because sometimes between pitches, these guys get so long in between, they forget what's a ball and a strike. Their strike zone is changing. Mm -hmm. So keep them locked in as well with having the monitor, the pitch clock, the pitcher, the hitter. Let's get it going. And I think baseball games, we're already seeing the numbers from this weekend. A lot of those games were fast. I think the Yankees had a game where they played over three hours. Whatever is going to happen. But for the most part, these games are going to be faster, and you're looking at the other sports. How long is an NBA game? You go see the Nets, it's two and a half hours. I go see the Devils, it's about two and a half hours. We're getting baseball closer to that two and a half hour mark where people won't be able to say, the game is slow, it's boring, it takes forever. Well, think about it. You're also getting the same amount of action. Like, the same amount of pitches that would be thrown in a baseball game from a year ago that took three hours and ten minutes, you're going to get the exact same amount of action just in a smaller period of time. That's what you're doing. Like, we're not taking away baseball from anybody. 
You're not. Now, you're taking away the downtime from baseball, sure. You're taking away those moments. And I hate to pick on specific guys, but I swear to you, this has bothered me for a long time. So I know the names, Mm -hmm. and I'll name the names of guys who took forever. Jairus Familia and Aroldis Chapman. You guys embarrassed yourselves. I'm telling you right now. We know. As a New York baseball fan, and this has nothing to do with performance, this has nothing to do with off-the-field stuff either. I'm talking strictly time between pitches. I watched you. I watched both of you. You abuse the system. I'll tell you another guy, your guy, A-Rod. A-Rod, how many times you got to adjust? Really? We get it's there. You don't have to adjust it 55 times. This guy was the king of taking his time. He needed all eyes on him. He needed to make sure everybody was watching. Of course. Get your beers, get back to your seat. A-Rod is batting. Of course. I mean, you know, and you mentioned Chapman, right? Well, if, if you're not confident in what you're going to throw over the plate, you need a little extra time. I like what it's going to do to the pitchers and the hitters. I'm hearing about disadvantages for the hitters. or for the, I don't think there's any disadvantage. Be on your game. Be ready to go. We're live. Play ball. You're right. I, I'll give you something I found fascinating, and I figured this out during the offseason. There was a guy, there's a pitcher here in this town who used to be one of the slowest workers in baseball, and then he changed. He changed his pace to the point where last year he was one of the fastest working pitchers in all of baseball. And when I tell you the name, you're going to say, wow, that must have been a performance thing. Like, he went from working slowly and sucking mm-hmm. to working fast and being awesome. And that guy's name is Edwin Diaz. Yeah, that's where I arrived in my head. Edwin Diaz <laughs> last year was the fastest working reliever in baseball. That's why. If you call up today, because I heard Pete Hoffman try to tell me this the other day. They try to say, what about late in game? What about the drama of late in games? You lose it. It's too quick. Did you not have drama, Met fans, last year? Did you like the ninth inning last year? Was that too quick for you? Because Edwin Diaz blew the pitch clock away last year because that was the rhythm he was pitching to, and apparently it worked for him, which is great for the Mets and great for Edwin Diaz. But I don't remember ever hearing a Met fan call this station and say, you know, I, I'm sorry, i got to bring this up. As great as Diaz has been, he's working too fast. Nah, it's closing time. That's the whole point. <laughs> The show's over. We're locking this down. I love it. Uh, remember your guy Stroman used to quick pitch guys? Yeah. Like, this is not really a new thing. What's new is that now you can physically see the clock, and that's one thing from the weekend we talked about. I'm like, is, okay, we don't know. Is there going to be a little bug, a little score bug next to the score bug with the you know clock running down? Is it going to be visible? And we're looking at spring training ballparks, not actual ballparks. So when we see it behind the batter, behind the ump, behind the catcher, that's, you know, just – how they had it displayed at that park. Uh, I'm interested to see those two things. Once we get into the regular season, where is it displayed? I think you told me that it's really just going to be once it gets under, like, I don't know, seven, once we're really counting down. So on Friday, when they had, like, two spring training games, out of just morbid curiosity, I put it on my tablet Mm -hmm. just to see. And the clock was there at all times. It was right behind home plate. So my impression was, okay, the clock is going to be visible for us as viewers all the time. Apparently, I was wrong because then on Saturday, when I'm watching Mets Astros and eventually Mets Marlins and the Yankees played a game, I'm noticing that the clock is not visible. They're figuring it out. It's spring training for the pitch clock too, right? Do you want to see it though? I don't. I don't want to see it. Okay. I think if if we see it, it stands out more. It's in your mind more. I agree. It becomes more of a thing. If we don't see it. The pace is just there, and the pace of play is faster, and everyone gets used to it quicker. I I think I agree with you because initially I said it's kind of cool to see the clock. Then after watching Saturday and Sunday, what they did on Yes and what they did on SNY, and I think this is what they're going to do, is you never see the clock, but in the bug, they will show you the number when it gets to 7. So as that number is at 7, you'll start to see it. 
And watching these games yesterday, I watched the Yankees and I watched the Mets because uh, I'm not big of a loser. But I didn't score Sunday's game. I owned the Sun scored but yesterday's I game. I was, but I did score it. <laughs> Got to add that. <laughs> I'm not that big of a loser. I'm not scoring every spring training game. But it, it, was, it was sort but of you cheating. you thought about it. You thought about it. <laughs> it went through my mind. Well, the funny part is my oldest son loves baseball, right? And, and I think this is interesting for a kid like him. He's six years old, right? Yeah. They have no attention span. And he says to me, Daddy, I want to score tonight's game. I was like, oh, okay. I'm not going to, but you can. So I guess I was scoring, like, via him. And in the first inning, this is what my son says about the uh, the pitch clock. He looks up and says, I don't think I like it. I said, excuse me? <laughs> At six, he I hasn't said, seen it, much baseball. But I said, well, what are you talking about? He's like, well, Dad, it takes me time to put down the ball and to write the play in. I don't have enough time. He'll I develop. said, You'll develop that, Jet. <laughs> You're sick. You'll be fine. By the fifth inning, he loved it. So he, he's... Quick learning. <laughs> well, yeah, because it is noticeable at first. Yeah. Like, it jumps out at you because we are so accustomed now to pitchers and batters. I want to blame everybody equally on this. Taking forever in between pitches. Like, you're used to it. I'm used to it. So to see that kind of pace change initially, it feels weird, no doubt. In my house, I'm, like, doing laundry, cleaning up. And I think someone walked. Maybe it was Oswaldo Cabrera. And I'm like, wait, I missed that. <laughs> like, you have to watch the game because a five-pitch walk can happen that fast. You can't look away. You can't go check on the dryer because you're going to miss pitches. And I like that. Baseball is a game where, like I said, I feel like you give these guys an inch, they take a mile, right? And it's all a, a mind game. Let's throw off this pitcher's timing. Let's mess with this guy. Let's step out. Let's No, let's go. Let's throw the pitch over the plate. Let's get action. And with these new rules, I think it's going to be an exciting season. And we're stepping into the future of baseball, which has been needed for a long time. No doubt. And look, there's a lot of things in baseball that you and I would disagree about. I'm just assuming because you're a Yankee fan that you probably always wanted the DH to come to the National League. Mm, I I just never really had a hard stance on it. Okay, fair enough. I, I know I, some people, no, you can't ruin National League baseball. This well, has been, but like, what... Do you do you okay? So here's a perfect example for you. Masahiro Tanaka yeah. against the Mets gets on base. I think he he strained both his hamstrings running around. I don't want to see these pitchers get put in athletic positions where they have to hit, where they have to steal bases, where they have to run. Let these guys focus on pitching and let the professional hitters be see, the hitters. See, I disagree with you, and I'm not going to relitigate the DH debate, but I understood where you were coming from. I lost the debate, okay? The DH has now taken over the National League, and I've accepted it. I don't really have any other choice. But I used to fight and argue with guys and gals about the DH. I would argue even about interleague play. But I could see your side of things. I want to be as nice as I can when I say this. I don't see the other side of the pitch clock. I've heard people try to make points, and I think all their points are flawed. I don't mean to sound like a jackass, but it's true. Like these people, I haven't heard one viable they response. They hate to hate. They have to counter. They can't like it. I think I heard a caller today talk about you know like baseball is supposed to be. I don't care what it's supposed to be. We're moving into the future. There's going to be no more Sundays of you just listening to the radio and there's a minute between pitches because this guy stepped out. This pitcher needs a new ball. We saw that with uh, Karen Check from Cleveland. He, right. he tried to, all right, I need a new ball. <laughs> hey, it's spring training for the pitch clock as well. And then I also heard that the World Baseball Classic is not going to have the pitch clock and the new rules. Yes. So that's kind of counterproductive to the guys going and playing in that tournament and then having less time adapting and then stepping right into Major League Baseball. So but I'm going to give you a weird view on why no rules for the WBC is the best thing that could ever happen. Mm-hmm. For anybody out there right now that thinks I'm crazy or Keith's crazy and hates the pitch clock, 
Watch the World Baseball Classic. I want you to watch it. I want you to watch that after you watch the spring training game or two. Then I want you to come back and watch spring training again. And I dare you. I defy you to say that was better baseball. You won't. You won't won't say it because it's not true. Because it's going to take an hour and a half every time a Cuban pitcher wants to change pitches. I've seen it. And that's what it is, too, right? We're taking teams from Japan, the Netherlands, Mexico, Cuba, the Dominican. Like, all of these different players from different countries. You can't implement Major League Baseball's new rules on these guys. But I'm 100% with you. When we do watch from March 8th on the World Baseball Classic and we get to see the contrast, the difference, give it a couple weeks. And it's like two weeks from now, not even... March 8th is is the week after this one. We will now be accustomed. You, your eyes and your mind, it's going to be trained quickly. We will be accustomed to how fast the game is or at least how much action we get. Okay, this guy's on first. Here's another hit versus the World Baseball Classic where it's like, hey, the ball hasn't been put into play for yeah. the last 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I remember. I went to the first ever WBC in 06, and the pace of play was slower than regular baseball, and it jumped out at me. Because the finals that year, if a memory serves correct, was Japan against Cuba. So you saw a lot of guys we'd never seen before because those guys hadn't defected from Cuba. And a lot of the guys on Team Japan just hadn't come over to the United States. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Japanese pitchers work real slow. Daisuke Matsuzaku was famous for it. Just worked really, really slow. I think it's one of the adjustments Kodai Senga is going to have to make, not only coming to Major League Baseball, but coming over to the U.S. They work at a slow pace. I don't know the reason. It is what it is. And I remember watching those games saying, this is different. This is way too slow. And baseball sort of morphed into that over the last decade and a half. So when you watch, if anybody chooses to, because I don't know if anybody cares about the WBC, but if you put it on for a few innings, the difference is going to be so obvious. Yeah. And the other thing people could do, and I'm crazy enough where I've done this, watch old games. Put a game on from 20, 30 years ago. Dude. The pace of play was different. Yeah, they're getting after it because they're competing. And I want to throw a strike. I want to get you out. I want to work quickly, especially if you're you're a pitcher in a groove or if you're a hitter coming back to the plate. You you saw the ball that you're first at bat. You're feeling good about yourself. You want to get back in the box. The one thing I don't like. No. What do you you not like? I enjoy walk-up songs. I enjoy Yankee Stadium (laughs) turning up. Number 99, Aaron Judge. And you hear pop smoke. I'm the king of New York, mellow. Like everybody has right. a moment as Judge is like, and like Judge, like just using him as the example, he like has this like strut to him. It's not a cocky strut. It's just like I know I'm the boss. I know I'm the man out here. And then he comes to the plate, and then everybody's locked in because you know he's gonna do some like hit a home run or extra base hit. Them rushing these guys to the plate, I think that the, at least like let us get the walk up songs. Don't shorten the walk up songs. Let these guys get their time to step up to the plate, and don't cut that shorter. Yeah, you know what's funny? The, I think the number's 30 seconds in between batters. I don't have a problem with that. Like, that's fine, because I never thought that was an issue. Like, watching baseball over the last decade and a half, I never thought there's too much time between batters. I always thought there was too much time in between pitches. Mm-hmm. So if you want to give guys more time so they could dance their way to home plate to their walk-up song, yeah. That's fine. I'm not going to argue about that. I enjoy that. I think that's a part of the game that we don't need to take any time from. I get speeding it up, but speed it up, like you said, in between pitches. That's where we can really, like, put a sense of urgency. That's all this is to me. Watching it, and, you know, I'm a new hockey fan. What 
like got me about hockey going to see it live, you can't look at your phone. You can't look down. You're right. Somebody's firing that puck. Someone's got a feed to another guy and assist, boom, and it's like you missed it if you look down for a second. In baseball, it's going to become more like must-see TV, and I can't wait to see what it's like in the ballpark. I told you the bleacher creature is going to be out there. There's going to be 20 seconds on the clock. Bleacher creature is going to be like 10, <laughs> 9, 8. <laughs> well, I love the fact that Max Scherzer right off the top is telling you his strategy, and we saw it yesterday where a batter gets one timeout, so they use their timeout early in the at-bat. They've got to be set by the 8-second mark. So they've used their timeout, batter set at the 8-second mark, and Max Scherzer now owns the hitter. Mm-hmm. He stands there and decides when in these eight seconds do I want to pitch. He can't call timeout again, so he waits on me. And that's like the new cat and mouse game. Like yeah. everybody loves cat and mouse games Figure in baseball. There's a new cat and mouse game. It's a new strategy to baseball. And I'm, dude, I'm loving it. I thought the last 48 hours of baseball was was so needed, and I can't wait to watch it in the regular season because I think it was necessary. And I'm so glad it's happened. And I think anybody out there right now that doesn't love it, you're going to realize real soon how wrong you are. It's the greatest change to baseball in the last 40 years. And I use 40 years because that's my time, I guess, on this earth as a baseball fan. I'm about to turn 40. There's nothing they've done. Certainly not interleague play, the DH, the expansion of the wild card. Nothing has been as good as this. Yeah, it creates excitement around the game. People that don't really watch the game are like, oh, new clock? Pitch clock? Oh, let me watch a little bit and let me see what's going on. There's all these people tweeting about this and why I just pointed to the TV. Shout out to Tony Rassiope. Tony Rassiope is a quarterback coach. He's at the Met game, Mets fan, with his entire family. Shout out to his wife and his Look two kids. Look at that. Tony Rassiope, a guy I looked up to. I went to see him down at Rowan years ago. He is a quarterback coach that coached Kenny Pickett, and I'm connected to from Ocean Township High School. Kenny Pickett, I played quarterback. I I like to tell people I crawled so Kenny could walk, or better yet, I walked so Kenny could run. You could also claim you discovered Kenny Pickett. You go with that. I I knew about him when he was 11, coming to Big Red Football (laughs) Camp. I'm on with Evan, and I look at the TV, and it's hard for me to not watch this Mets game right now. I'm paying attention. Look at you. And uh, the camera goes to the crowd, and our old pal, well, my pal, Tony Rassiope, who is a quarterback coach, QB guru, uh, who definitely helped Kenny Pickett, was with Kenny Pickett at the Combine last year, throwing in the hallways. We're coming up on the Combine. That was a a cool moment for me to see a guy from my town on screen. And he's getting to do what every person should do once in their life, hang out at spring training and watch meaningless baseball. Wish I could go. Wish I could be down there. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Life has changed, so I don't do it very much often, that's for sure. We'll get your calls on this. Jacob DeGrom fed the animals. We'll get to that coming up. It's Carton and Roberts on the fan. WFAN, WFAN-FM, and WFAN.com. It was noticeable yesterday that Aaron Hicks got booed by Yankee fans down in Tampa. (laughs) Uh, Would you have joined in, Keith? No, no. I'm, I'm not like that. I honestly, like, root for the laundry. And I said on air here, Right on the same mic that, like, once these guys reported to spring training, all of the talk, even I started with Cashman, right? I'm done talking about Cashman's trade or lack of trades or what Cashman said on the radio in Chicago. We spent the last five months talking, Aaron Hicks sucks, Josh Donaldson's terrible, IKF, get him out of here. They're not out of here. So what are you going to do? You're going to work against your own team? You're going to boo this guy as he's trying to see pitches, get right, and get ready for the season? I'm not like that. I'm not doing that. I'm not trying to count against 
my own team. No, I listen, I'm, I'm similar to you in that it takes a lot for me to ever boo. Like, I don't boo my own guys. There are times in which I'm very close to booing them, no doubt about it, when Max Scherzer, you know what's all over himself in a postseason game. I'm close to joining my brethren in booing. I would never boo A in spring training and then B before the guy's done anything. First at bat. Like, it's a new year. Maybe we're all wrong. Maybe we're all dead wrong about Aaron Hicks. Now, I don't think we will be, but maybe there's that little slight possibility he's awesome. But I also think, and I've noticed this over the years, that we feel as a society more entitled to boo today than we ever did. There's just more booing in 2023 than there was in 1998. And that's not to say there wasn't booing in 1998. There was. I heard it. I experienced it. But it feels like nowadays we're much more aggressive in letting everybody know how pissed off we are. I mean, they call the boo the Bronx cheer. It made its way all the way down to Tampa. Yankees fans are still scarred from watching him not field the ball. Like I was there, Jeter Knight. I was right down the third baseline. It's it's etched into my memory forever, which is why I honestly thought, oh, there's no way they're going to run this guy back out there. He's never going to play again. Like That was bad. They had to bench him. That's what people are still going off of. They forgot he got hurt, right? Mm. No one feels any type of sympathy for him hurting his knee and the collision that he had. He's and... also been hurt so many times, we kind of lose count on when he was hurt exactly. and when he's there's, just not there, playing. There's no sympathy for a guy that signed... A uh, $70 million contract. There's no sympathy for a guy that's getting another opportunity and another opportunity. Yankees fans want to win. They want to get back to the World Series, and I think they view Aaron Hicks as a weak link and not a World Series team if you're dependent on a guy like that every day. So we'll see what happens with it, but I, I, I hit my meditation, my positive thinking, <laughs> had to breathe a little bit, had to really think about like going into the season. Am I going to be a guy that's counting against the Yankees because I don't agree with them running Aaron Hicks nah, and Josh nah, Dunn? Nah, no, nah, it is nah, what it is. It, it's business at the end of the yeah, day. They he, die hard on their trades. They die hard on their contracts. These guys are under contract. They traded for them, and they're going to run them out there and give them the opportunity to do better this year. It's a new season. We, we have no choice as a fan. Now, we're going to scream and yell and give our opinion. I certainly have over the years, but then eventually – you hope you're wrong, and the guys are better than you think, and you'll win. Because ultimately, that's all we want as a fan. We just want to see our teams win. So I've had many strong opinions over the years about moves my teams have made, and I want them to be right, not me to be right. Because me being right about my team sucking is not good for me. It's not no, good for it's anybody. It's not good for your mental health. It's not good for your day-to-day. You don't want to be down. You don't want to be miserable. I think what it is, too, with the boo uh, especially coming off of you know his last Yankee season, you got a guy like Joey Gallo. I never once was rooting for him to strike out. Get a hit, get on base. This guy now is in another place where he's talking about, yeah, Minnesota's more my style, <laughs> Bruh, Like your style is is not being able to hit. You were one of the worst hitters we saw in pinstripes. That's why you got booed. And I think it's the players talking about it, right? Aaron Hicks is a guy that last year was saying. Oh, you know, if I got a chance to play every day, I'd perform better. Then they give him a chance to play, he doesn't perform. Right, right. He talks about, oh, the game wasn't fun for you. It wasn't fun for us watching you not play well either. But yet, you're still on the team. We want you to do better. But fans are just going to voice their displeasure. And the only way they, they can't they can't yell, Aaron Hicks, I really wish you had a higher batting average and came through more. Like, the boo is all of that. That's how we thing. express things, yes. <laughs> The biggest boo I ever heard for a non-game that counted was, and I don't know if anybody remembers this, the Mets and Yankees opened up their new stadiums with two exhibition games before they opened up the stadium. So the Yankees were playing the Cubs, the Mets were playing the Red Sox, and they played two exhibition games. The second exhibition game the Mets played, Oliver Perez, fresh off his brand-new contract, was starting for the Mets, 
And if memory serves correct, and you could look it up, I don't think he got an out at City Field in his City Field debut. Now, the game doesn't count. It's a freaking fake game against the Red Sox. Could not get an out. Finally, Jerry Manuel trouts out of the dugout and says, I got to take this guy out. And he got booed yep. as if he robbed somebody, which he ended up doing. He robbed the Mets of uh, $36 million. So <laughs> it's like we knew going in. Now, right, let's kick it off with Ronnie in the Bronx. What's up, Ronnie? Uh, thank you for taking my call. This is my, my first time calling uh, this show. I mean, let's face facts. Craig is the star, but you're, Evan, you know baseball and sports better than anybody. It's good to hear you. And this kid, Keith, I call him at night. He's fantastic. He's going to give you a run for your money. I think him and Big Mac will make a good uh, good partnership one day. But anyway, back to your, uh, you know, the, the rules. I think the rule of that shift is going to be the biggest uh Thing for for the game because you know you hit the ball on the on the numbers it could be a double and, and it goes right to the guy in the shift I, I think it takes too much away from the game I think that's going to be a huge thing and then also the Yankees catching Houston I think process of elimination did it by them losing Verlander and Yankees getting Rodone it's they they made up so much you space know what though, Ronnie, I remember when they took Garrett Cole away from the Houston Astros. And the logic was, well, they've definitely caught the Astros now. Now, 2020 was a weird season, so you almost kind of throw it out, though the Astros were in the ALCS, the Yankees weren't. Sometimes it's not as simple as that. It's not as simple as, well, Verlander's gone and Rodon is here. The Yankees have caught him. Look, the Yankees couldn't hit in the ALCS against the Astros. Can they change that? Now, I know that's fast-forwarding to the middle of October, and we have to get there, and there are going to be different pieces in place by the time we do get there. But in terms of catching the Astros, that's really what it's about. Yeah, it sucks. They live rent-free in all of our minds as Yankees fans. We lose sleep at night because this team has eliminated us from the last three appearances in the American League Championship Series. They just seem to, as an organization, know what to do. And this past year took away the uh, you know asterisk, right? Now they have a, a new World Series where you can't say, oh, they cheated and they stole that one. No, they just came out and, and beat everybody swept you, celebrated on your field, and they're at the top. And like you mentioned, Garrett Cole, uh, George Springer, Dallas Keuchel, Carlos Correa. It does not matter who they lose. Now, Justin Verlander, they're going to have somebody ready to go. Jeremy Pena is a star now. He's a perfect example. Because, they had him ready to go. Yeah, Correa yeah. mentored him. He was waiting in the wings. We're not going to pay Carlos Correa. We've already seen the plate in his ankle. We already know the deal with this guy. He can go. We've got a young guy that is muscle-bound, that is athletic, that can field the position, that can hit for power. He's 25 as a rookie. He's ready to go. We are the Houston Astros. We're the face of baseball now. We're the only thing close to a dynasty in baseball now, and we're just going to keep reloading. We're not going anywhere. He's right, though, about the shift, because I did notice this, that there are going to be a lot more. Unless managers adjust by taking their left fielder and playing him in short right, which is still an option. There are going to be a lot of ground balls. I saw it with Vogelback twice in one of the Met games that would have been right into the shift that find the hole for a base hit. So it is going to benefit. It's going to be refreshing. It's going to be yeah. cool this year for some of these guys to be like, hey, that's a hit now. Yeah. And let's see these guys field their positions. Let's see these guys play. Like You I, don't like seeing the third baseman standing there in short right field? <laughs> that was so weird for years. No, it's, it's kind of cheap and uh, – I'm I'm looking forward to guys like Anthony Rizzo getting a couple extra knocks. He will. Uh, Glaber Torres, you know, going the like. 
I think that is going to help us as fans, and it's going to help these hitters with their batting average, and it yeah. just kind of like goes back to not old time baseball, but like it is before we got too crafty with the shift where you know guys were kind of finessing and figuring out the best like four outfielders. And- well, I I always I didn't like the idea of banning the shift. Now I'm going to admit that it's going to work. It's going to work. All right, you're going to get exactly what you want. Anthony Rizzo's batting average is going to go up. It is. Mm-hmm. Daniel Vogelbach's batting average is going to go up. It is. Like I admit Jeff that. Jeff McNeil. Well, uh, his batting, his batting gonna, average is already high enough. I don't think it's going to affect him one way or the other because Jeff McNeil, and this was the point I was getting at, there are a lot of hitters, and I heard Vogelbach say this point blank. He said, my approach isn't going to change. Mm-hmm. My approach didn't change. It's not going to change. That's the thing that I guess I was screaming into the clouds, which is change your approach. If they're shifting you, change your approach. Well, guess what? They weren't changing their approach. There were very few guys like Jeff McNeil who handles the bat really well who could say, hey, oh, they're not playing over there. I'm going to slap at the left field. Yeah. Joey Gallo was never going to do that. Can't. Anthony Rizzo was never going to do that. They can't or they're not even trying. Like, take your pick. It doesn't even matter. So the consequences of this shift ban – while I may have been screaming at the you know the clouds, oh, change your approach. Guys weren't changing their approach. So baseball said, okay, we're going to enforce this shift ban, and based on a few days, it's going to work. Like it's the only question I have is, will managers kind of get around the shift by playing a two man outfield and basically putting their left fielder in short right field? So for example, with the Yankees, you could say, all right, Hicks and Bader are so athletic. I'll have them be my two outfielders, and I'm going to move Judge in to basically play a short right. Mm. Or maybe it's Judge and Bader play the outfield, and here's Oswaldo Cabrera, who has experience playing the infield, coming in to play short right. Like, there's no rule against that. You just can't move the infielders around. So there are ways for managers to try to circumvent the whole idea of the shift and still kind of steal those extra outs. Yeah, they haven't completely banned, it, banned the shift. It's just a change in what we, we've seen them be able to do. I think there's going to be some guys that you obviously adjust where you're lining up for based on numbers and analytics and stuff like that. But I think ultimately the game is going to be better because we're going to eliminate some of those cheap moments that were like, that's a hit off the bat. And then it's like the camera flashes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a guy standing there. Yeah, that was that, it was tough to get used to that over the last decade. You almost expected that. Like, there'd be a line drive up the middle, and you're thinking, oh, base hit to center Should field. Hit. And then the camera flashes. And, that and the guy's lined up right there perfectly. Like, yeah, we knew that. Analytics <laughs> and numbers, we saw that this guy, this, this is where he hits the ball. Let's go to Anthony in North Carolina. What's up, Anthony? Hey, Anthony, Evan, how you doing, buddy? What's up? It's been a while. been a while since I talked to you. And, hey, Keith, haven't talked to you uh, live on air, but nice to talk to you too, sir. Hello. All right. Um, my my issue is about the with the new rules. And matter of fact, I've been watching the last forty eight hours, and I got to be honest with you, I love it. I love the clock. I love the uh, the bigger bases, and I do like the uh, the the shift rule. I, I see that there's there are ways you can work around it there, but there's still one though that's killing me, Evan. And I think you might agree with me on that. What's that? It's an extra inning runner on second, Evan. Come on, man. Yeah. Like, I, 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 can, I, can you at least wait? Can you can you at least wait till like the twelfth inning or something like that? I understand you want to rush it, but like, okay, let's. It, it, it's after nine. We're tied. Can you at least give me two innings? I agree, like, man. Bit? No, no, I, I I agree. Like at least that would be my compromise, Anthony. I'm with you on that. 
Because otherwise, I wouldn't put the Manfred man on second base ever. Like, I would basically say we're never doing that. But I am a man of compromise, Keith. I understand that there are guys that want to go home. There are players that want to go home. There are managers that are lazy and don't want to have to manage their bullpen. There are guys like Big Mac who've just accepted, oh, this is great. I'm not sure where you stand, so am I about to attack you or are we going to be uh, no, simpatico? I, I don't like it, but I've accepted it. I knew in 2020 when they introduced it, I'm like, they're going to weasel this oh, of course. thing in. And Manfred, it's Manfred's man on second, and it's the only thing they can agree on, right? Unanimously, I know, I know. they voted on this. So it doesn't matter what we think as fans. This is what they want. And you know what's crazy? So I think a part of why people didn't like 18-inning games, 19-inning games is because with no pitch clock – those games would take five and a half hours, six hours. They were crazy deep into the night. Well, now that we have a pitch clock and nine innings are probably going to take two and a half hours, why are we rushing? Why do we have to we, rush? We won't the game in the postseason, not in October. Those are those are different. Those games have too much weight and that's on them. Why we, they won't add it? In we're, October, not, we're not right? going to rush the real games, right? And that just shows you, like. <laughs> I've always said this about the shootout in hockey. While it's wildly entertaining, I'd be the first to tell you, shootout's great, three-on-three. It's all entertaining. It ain't real. I'm sorry, it's not. It's not the game you just watched. It's a whole different thing. It's not real hockey. And so I get it. I understand why the NHL says, look, what are we going to do? Play eight overtimes? We don't want to go back to ties, which I never had an issue with. So they created this fictitious thing. And while we all admit it's entertaining. soccer create it? Uh, well, they had their thing first, yeah. So they just took it from... Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and they still do it in the biggest games. I mean, World Cups end. Which is insane. Which we just saw. Right. Yeah. And that, that, that to me is certifiable. Like, I know basketball's different, but the NBA doesn't change the rules. They say, okay, here's overtime one. Oh, still tied? Here's overtime two. Oh, still tied? Here's overtime three. And eventually it ends. Now, I'm not suggesting hockey should change. I get why they want games to end. But it's not real. And they show you it's not real because come postseason time, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. The Manfred man on second base is kind of the same thing. It ain't real. If it was so real and so awesome, why wouldn't it occur in the divisional series? Because they know it's stupid. They can get away with it in 162 games which eventually will be 150 games, maybe even 145. You see I'm where we're skeptical heading. of that, though, You see where way. we're heading, though. We are heading I, to the point where they shorten the season. I don't know about that. You may be right. I'm not sure about that. It's a long season, Evan, right? Baseball Money. is Money. too long. Revenue. Uh, revenue, of course. But now they've got Apple streaming, Peacock streaming. Uh, Amazon, they, they've got money coming from everywhere. Yeah, but you're giving away money by having less games. Like You're right. They're bringing in more revenue, but you take away revenue when you tell a team that won't play October baseball. Spring training will be longer. I just think oh, we're, heading, we're heading to a place. We're heading to a place with baseball where, like, that hard number, 162, we fought for that number last year. Yes. They were locked out. No, we need 162 games. We're heading to a place where the season is shorter and these regular season games don't matter as much. Yeah, uh, put Manfred's man on second. Matter of fact, make them seven inning games. Uh, That's where we're heading. Uh, that is where we're heading. Uh, frightening hey, me. Give them an inch, they take them out. It's one thing after another. Well, I, I'll never forget, and I don't know if we could find this audio. It probably doesn't even matter. So you don't even have to look for the audio. But but Ingo and I had Joe Torre on. I'd say it was 2017, shot in the dark. And at that time, so I don't know if the timeline fits here. He's working for Major League Baseball. I think he still is. And it was right when they were instituting the man on second rule in the minor leagues. And I said, Mr. Torrey, can you do me a favor? And he said, I don't know. What are you looking for, son? And I said, that idea of putting a guy on second base in the minors, like, that's cool. Like, that's fine. 
can you promise me you'll never do that at the major league level? And he said, well, you got nothing to worry about, Evan, but why are you against it? As soon as he pivoted, Keith, as soon as he gave me the whole, why are you worried? I knew it. I could hear it in his voice. They were going to screw us. It's on the way. They were going to bring it. Why are we it. introducing it here to eventually have it up there? It's <laughs> yes. on the way. Robo-umps, too. And send them faster. Expedite that. You want the robo-umps. Might as well. Might as well. <laughs> I already talked about these umps being locked in with the pitch clock. Like, now these guys actually have to work more. They don't get to chill in between. Speed it all up. If we're going into the future with baseball and they're trying to attract these casual fans or these outside fans that are fans of other sports, not so much baseball, like... We've already passed the point of no return. The purists right now hate the game. I had Goose Gossage on a couple weeks ago, and I saw him at American. He hates everything about <laughs> baseball now. Yeah, but would he like the pitch clock? Did you ask him about the pitch clock? Uh, I don't know if I asked him specifically about the pitch clock. Because they're getting guys to do what he did and what most guys did in his era, which is get the baseball and throw. Mm-hmm. So even though, yeah, the idea of a clock seems so crazy, the, the purpose of the clock is to get guys to do what they did in the 1980s and the 1970s and the 1960s. Yeah. That's the end game. Go at guys. Go. Have a have a chip on your shoulder that you have the ball, right? I, it's funny. We had CC Sabathia on, I think, Tiki and Tierney, and he talked about, like, oh, we don't get paid for overtime. We want to go home. I gotta, that line killed me, bro. I got to hit up CC because... CeCe, you only pitched every five days, and you <laughs> rarely were getting into the seventh inning. Right. right? So your job was done quickly. But uh, He didn't want to sit in the dugout in the 14th inning. That's what he means by, hey, we don't get paid overtime. He wants to go home. He's like, I want to go to the hotel. I want to go back to my house. And by the way, I get that. Like, I'm not even saying he's wrong for that, but that answer is not something I want to hear. Do you no, want to hear we're that? fans. But you- I understand, like, people covering the game, right? We have rain delays and... We have other things where the media members that are there. We, I, I felt that at Yankee Stadium, that that game in the uh, ALDS that got rained out, people were upset. <laughs> they spent a lot of time there for nothing. So there is this level of like, hey, play ball. Once we get started, get it done, get it going faster, 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 and that's where we're heading. And I think once you step into what we're literally stepping into after this past weekend, right. the pitch clock, more things are going to keep being implemented. And that's fine. There's a quarterback comparison I'd make to Derek Carr that scares me. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But Keith likes to troll Met fans about Jacob DeGrom. I'll give him his best shot coming up because Jacob DeGrom decided to feed the animals over the last few days. (laughs) And we'll see if the animals are happy. 